0: Hello. Uh, I'm Ross Ramsey. Um, on behalf of the Texas Tribune, welcome to the sixth annual Texas Tribune Festival. I can't believe we've done this this many times. I'm glad you guys are here. Thank you for coming. Um, this is the 85th legislature track. This is the first moment in the uh, day for the Texas legislature track, designed to give you an idea of what's coming in January when the Texas legislature comes back. You know, there will be an after the election, so um, this is kind of about what's after the election. A couple of program notes, lunch on the mall this afternoon. Uh, we'll have a bunch of food trucks out here. Um, you can join us there. It's a great time to knock around, have some, try out some weird foods and um, see all your friends. Uh, there is an end-of-day reception at the at t Center just over, how does this work? I think it's that way, wherever the AT&T Center is. Um, And this morning we'll go for 60 minutes or so, and then have some questions at the end. Um, We've got um, a couple of other things. Silence your phone. If you're going to leave your phone on and tweet, the hashtag we're using is #ttf. Dan Patrick is our guest this morning uh, for a one-on-one interview. He's the 42nd Lieutenant Governor of the State of Texas. He's a broadcaster, has been for years, Um, a former State Senator from Houston. He served for six years in the legislature. Evan calls him the most powerful statewide official in Texas. You can argue that up or down. Something to talk about over whiskey. He's married with two kids, a judge, and a nurse. You should do so well as a parent. Three grandkids. I'd like to welcome Dan Patrick to the stage.
1: Morning, everyone. Morning. 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 Good to see you. Morning. We now have four grandchildren. So we, we, we oh, grandchildren. We've four, grandchildren. We, four. Hey, You need to update your bio. That's yes, great. I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, and by the way, before we start, I'm not running for governor. I'm not running for the U.S. Senate, and I will not serve in administration with Trump when he wins. I just want to get that on the record. That's all right.
0: Would any, you know, this is a sidebar. We'll come back. Yeah. We'll come back to that. We'll just okay. leave that. We got to talk about the news. Um, Ted Cruz has finally come to the Trump camp. Yes. Um, tell me about it.
1: Well, I think it was the right decision. Uh, you know, I was very uh, open in my comments at the convention because uh, I, I think I'm the only elected official in the country who was chair for Ted Cruz in Texas and now chair for
0: Donald Trump. I'm I not mean, sure in anybody's state. ever been chair for two different presidentials in the same year. We'd have to, we'll have to send the fact checkers out. Well,
1: you know, the truth is we've had very few presidential years where you had 16 or seven people running. Right. So a lot of campaigns built up their teams in various states. But I said at the time I was disappointed uh, that he didn't support the nominee in Cleveland. And so I think it was the right thing to do. He's a thoughtful person, sometimes tough campaigns. It was a tough campaign and a long campaign. When you right. work, literally, I was on the trail with him in South Carolina and Nevada and uh, Iowa and worked with him a lot. And literally, they start at 6 in the morning and finish at midnight. It's, it, you're tired. Um, Did he make a mistake in July? Did he make a mistake in not, July?
0: Not endorsing? Was that a mistake? And and the the the, I, I the twin to that question is, yeah. did he mistake do a mistake yesterday in the way he came back? It looked like he drew a line, right. and said, "This is a matter of principle. I can't support him because of this and this and this." Yeah. And then yesterday came out and said, "Well, I'm drawing the line."
1: Well, I, you know, I thought it, I th- was disappointed in, in in July. In July, uh, but I think yesterday was the right move. And and. Not your typical media, because you and I get along pretty well, and, and I respect you. No, I mean, I respect you, and you've always been fair. But it's no matter what you do, you're criticized. So if he doesn't, you know, if he never comes on board, well, shouldn't he have come on board? And if he, he did the right thing, in my view, and now he can be criticized. So that's just the life we live in today, right. whether it's social media or mainstream media. And so I think it was the right decision. You support your nominee. No one's criticizing. I don't hear anything from the left over Bernie and Hillary. Uh, You know, he came on board after they had a pretty tough campaign. No one's questioning him. It's the process of of politics. I'm disappointed that others aren't. I mean, John Kasich was here last night. I was in Cleveland. It's his home state, and he didn't even come to the convention. I thought it was rude, quite frankly. didn't even come to the convention. Would Cruz have
0: been better off in the 2018 reelect had he just at the July point said, okay, I'm with the ticket, blown all that off? Is he strong going into 2018? I think
1: he's still strong going into Mm -hmm. 2018. You know, you... You have a senator who's still popular. Uh, time heals, just like it heals between candidates. Sometimes it heals between voters right. and elected officials. So I, I think he's fine. I think he's, he's the favorite to win it in eighteen. Is, is my thinking. Don't even know if he'll have an opponent. You think it will primary or general? Well, he'll have a general opponent. Right, right, right. Um, we'll all have a general opponent. I mean, Abbott will, myself. I, that's what I said. Let, Let's talk
0: about the session ahead. Yes. Um, you, um, you're also going to be on the ballot in 2018. I don't yes. know if that's a consideration here. Uh, There are a bunch of issues that I want to touch on, but I want to start this um, briefly asking you, what are the two or three things you want to get done in this session? As you go into this, what are your priorities? Well,
1: Senate Bill 1, and I think I saw Senator Rodriguez here. Is Senator Rodriguez here? Uh, Welcome. Welcome, Senator Rodriguez. I saw you from behind the the curtain. Uh, We had a good time in El Paso recently. Um, Senator Rodriguez was very kind. We had a very good session, by the way, before we leapfrogged eight The 85th, let's look at the 84th. Okay, hurry, i got a whole page of this stuff. We we had a great session. Uh, There was no drama. Uh, We were efficient. Uh, We passed over 1,200 bills and less than 30 were on partisan lines. I mean, think about that. That means the Democrats and the Republicans worked together. It was a very conservative session, the most conservative session, but uh, the 20 Republicans and 11 Democrats all worked together. And so one of my priorities is to be sure that this session runs as efficiently as the last session. Um, and so, I, you know, that's, that's always a number one goal to get our work done. Mm-hmm. In terms of policy issues, uh, Senate Bill 2 will be property tax relief. People are desperate and businesses are desperate for property tax relief. Where are you going to get money for property tax relief? Uh, do, let me list the other items okay. and then yeah. I will come back and go into the detail if that's okay. So that's a school choice major issue I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, I want to be sure that every patrol officer in the state, we have about 80,000 police officers in the state, troopers, constables, sheriffs, uh, I want to be sure that all of those on patrol have the latest in technology and bulletproof vests so that uh, uh, the vest can absorb an assault uh, round and I think it's time for the state to step in and pay or partner with the cities, but some of the smaller cities can't pay, so um, I think the, uh, I'm going to be advocating for our senators, Republicans and Democrats to protect our police officers from that. I, I, I lived Dallas for those days because at the time, and I'm so happy our governor is, is on the men and, and on the road again, but you know he came up for that press conference, but, but I was there most of, the, most of the time, went to those funerals, uh, went to the homes of, of the uh, families, um, and every one of those officers had a bulletproof vest on. So we need to have the latest in technology, and we need to pay for it and protect our officers. They protect us. Um, I am going to address the issue of, of uh, keeping men out of ladies rooms because I think women deserve uh, security and comfort and safety um, and respect. Uh, I don't want a 16-year-old boys showering with 16-year-old girls uh, in the, the shower. Uh, I want to pay, I want the state to step up and pay for tuition set-asides and we can talk about that. That's something I learned on this campus in 2009 which maybe some students and adults in here still don't understand how it works. The, most of the legislators didn't. I discovered in 2009. Um, we shouldn't have parents being taxed, which they are, up to 15% on their tuition bill to pay for another student. The state ought to, if, we're going, if, we're, if we want to help needy students, right. let the state step in. Don't add that to the cost of, which is already increasing tuition. So those are I'm, some of the I'm, issues. I'm keeping
0: score over oh, here. Sure. So that's the second time you spent money. Um, the property tax thing, it's going to cost some money. Where are you no, going?
1: No, that's not going to cost any money. You're going you're totally to. totally miss this. Okay. Um, property, taxes it are, to me. property taxes are collected. At the local level, cities and counties and school districts. And they've been going up on average, depending on the appraisal year, but if you look over time, about 7, 8, 9%. um, In some counties, Dallas County this year, it was gonna be a 12.7% increase, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, On businesses, there is no cap uh, on your commercial property, so your taxes can go up 15 or 20 or 25%. So what we want to do is make sure that your property taxes do not automatically without your say, without your vote, go up more than population inflation a year.
0: So you're not cutting taxes. You're, not, you're talking about re- limiting the growth of taxes. We're
1: reducing the levy on your tax bill okay. by reducing the growth, which will cut your taxes in, in the future. Because, look, in our state government, and you right. follow our budget – you know, we stay under population and inflation, a 3 to 4% increase. But our counties and cities and school districts are growing at 7 and 8%. Very few people, Ross, are getting a 7% and 8% raise a year. Most companies don't grow 8% a right. year. So eventually people are forced out of their homes, the Austin area. Mm-hmm. But the entire state is experiencing this. So what I'm saying to local elected officials, we're not at war with, with local officials. They have a tough job, but so do we. I had a county judge that say, Dan, you don't understand. I can't live on a 4% growth because I have a fast-growing county. I said, we have a fast-growing state. We've added 9 million people in the last 16 years. We're going to add another 15 million people in the next 25 years. We can't grow government at two and three times what people are earning or businesses are growing. So right. what we want to do at the same time, the if, counties and cities if, fighting if, this But role. if you tell,
0: if you yeah. tell school districts um, you can't raise your property taxes yeah. faster than this, fine. Does the state have to
1: step in and make up for some of that growth itself? Is no, that going to cost the state no, here, some money? Because that's a waterbed. Yeah, he, no, here's how we address this issue, um, and it's, it's a great question, is uh, the cities and counties, they have their lobby associations. They're trying to say that Dan Patrick and, and conservatives, and by the way, Democrats, this issue is supported when you poll it by Democrat residents and Republican residents because property taxes are a nonpartisan issue. Everyone's taxes are going up. But, but the issue is we're not capping what a county or city can do.
0: Right.
1: They can raise the rate if they need more money. I'm just saying they need to come to you and make their case to say, okay, I need more than 4%. We'll come to you and make the case, just like you do on a school bond. I mean, Frisco, for example, right. uh, just a few months ago, uh, had, uh, they wanted to increase school taxes by 13 cents. The voters rejected that. So what we want to do is we'll give the school districts We'll give the counties, we'll give the cities the ability to increase more than 4%, not their rate, but grow it more. <clears throat> but I want to give people the chance to vote on it. Right. And, and then uh, if, if, if the school makes the case that they need money, if the city or county says, I need police, I need fire, I want a library, I need a park, let the people decide yes or no. And, and right now we have taxation through evaluation without representation, and people can't afford it, Ross. And, and if I, I've said this publicly, so I'll say it again today, if we have to stay there until this time next year, uh, I'm going to fight for property tax relief because people are being priced out of their homes and it's hurting. We just lost Dow Chemical, right. uh, about a $2 billion project would have come to Texas because of our property taxes. Um, we have to address that. Okay. What
0: do you mean when you say school choice? Every year this is a and I'm not, right. th- not hanging no, this no, on no, you, that's but fine. every year when I'm we happy hear school to hang choice, it 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 hang it, it on it me. It's hang a it different off. it's a different thing. So one year it may be vouchers, one
1: year it may be scholarships, one year it may be tax set-asides. Tell me what your plan well, or what
0: your proposal is.
1: I've always supported school choice and, and there are lots of different proposals right. but when I became education chair in 2013 is one I had actually had a chance to do something about it right. and was in a position at least some level as, as a chairman and uh, we looked at various various programs and the program that we're looking at right now is 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 ESAs. I don't know what the, the senators will finally settle on. Education savings accounts. Education savings accounts. Um we right now we have I think 23 states with some form of school choice um, through, uh, and we have about 17 states with some sort of business. You know, there may be small programs, big programs. We have five states with ESAs. Here's the bottom line. And I've been doing this in speeches. We'll continue to do. I don't want to take all the time here on this one subject, and I know you don't, but I want to give you a real quick example. Is there anyone in this room, if, we, if I ask Senator Rodriguez to, to carry a bill that says, you cannot, even if you're paying for it, You cannot send your child to private school. Anyone want to raise your hand saying you want to stop people from sending their child to private school if they can pay for it? Okay, so we've all in this room answered the question. Do you want to raise your hand? Would you support that? I'm just watching. Okay. (laughs) Here's my point. All of you have just agreed that if you have money, you should have school choice. So we have school choice. And... The second part of well, that but is, issue, but wait a minute, the second well, part of the issue of that where
0: this has always gotten hung isn't on school choice. The issue where this has always gotten hung is on are you going to use taxpayer money for private
1: okay. schools? And here's the answer. So when that child, and maybe some of you had the, of, uh, had the opportunity, rather, of going to private school, when you don't show up at class because your parents sent you to private school, did we, did we take any money away from public education? No. You didn't show up. So the school didn't lose anything. Because if you make the case that school choice costs the education community money, you'd make the case that if your parents are sending you to private school, they should still pay for your empty seat. So if a rich person, or maybe two people working an extra job just to get their kids to a better school, if they can send their child, they don't cost the school district any money for that seat. The child's not there. Now let's take little Johnny Smith whose parents just got a job in Virginia. Should we pass a law saying that Johnny can't go with his parents to Virginia? Of course not. Do, does the school district lose any money when Johnny leaves and goes to Virginia? No, because they're not teaching that child. Right. Now let's take the third child, a child whose parents are poor, a child who can't go to private school and parents aren't moving. But the state steps up and says, here's an education savings account, the same amount of money or a, or a portion of it that you would have to go to school you as a parent should have the same right as a rich person to pick the best school for your child. How is that different from a voucher?
0: You can it's, call it anything you well, want. But it's basically, I mean, conceptually, this is a voucher program. Who
1: cares what it's called? I'm, well, I'm just, here's, I'm, here's what I'm just I care to, about. No, hold here's on, what I care about, it. Ross. I care about that poor child right. in a failing school that has a history of failing right. to have an op- the same opportunity as every other child to go to, to a right. private school. And if that child is not in that seat in the classroom, it doesn't matter if it's because they're rich and they never showed up. It doesn't matter if they moved to Virginia with their parents. That child is not in that poor performing school. Right. So we're not taking any money away from the education. They're not teaching that child. I'm saying that it's a civil right of every parent to choose the best school for their child. We have 8,500 campuses in Texas, roughly. Six million kids, roughly. We have 350,000 teachers, roughly. 1,200 school districts, roughly. Most of them are really good. Some of them are great but some of them are terrible. We are now grading our school districts A through F, and a few years so when the you, bill we passed, each school will be graded A through F. Do you want your kids to go through an F school?
0: You would only F do district? this as a
1: bailout if your kid's in a bad school? No. So it, it, you would do this for a kid in any school? Any school. Now, we may, and, we and may why means is it test not, it. Why we, is that
0: not a diversion from public education? I just month? explained it to you, Ross. Hold on a minute.
1: Why is it, it? A, why
0: is it not a diversion from public schools? Why does it not hurt the public school system? To take money out of it. It's not up I'm, I'm to just, the, I'm asking, you know... I just explained it to you. We're not taking money out. where the, the money come from? The
1: money... The money... Where would the money have gone if you hadn't started an ESA? It would have gone to the school if the child right. was there. But if the child's not there, the school doesn't need it because they're not teaching that child. Let that child have the same right as that child who's wealthy. Let's... Are you for only wealthy? That's why... The reason I asked the question. Would anyone in here support Senator Rodriguez carrying a bill that says... We're going to stop people from sending their kids to private school. Let me make the same case for homeschoolers. Right. Do you know, and, and there are a lot of young people in here who may not know this, in the 1980s, if you homeschooled your child, you could be arrested and sent to jail because it wasn't allowed. And we had these same arguments. Oh, no, it's going to ruin public education if we allow homeschool. We now have 300,000 children roughly in homeschools. The school districts, you couldn't make the same argument. Well, what if those 300,000 children showed up at school? We'd get all that money for those children. Right. They're not there. As a matter of fact, about one out of every seven children in Texas go to a private school or homeschooled. About. They're saving school districts money. They're saving the state money because we'd have to pay to educate them. So these parents who homeschool or pay to send their kids to private school are still paying school property tax. Okay, let me ask you a second question yeah. behind this. So if, Does that make sense to you that, that we're not taking money from the system because the I, child's not there? I understand your argument.
0: Um, if, the, you. if the um, I consider that a victory. If the private schools... I didn't say I agreed with it. I said I understood okay. it. If the private schools... if the Well, why pri- wouldn't you, on, on, why wouldn't well, you agree on, giving every second.
1: child the same opportunity? Hold on a why second. Why wouldn't you agree to give every child the same opportunity? Tell me.
0: If the private schools... I'll circle around that. Okay. If, if the private schools are getting what would otherwise have been public school money for these kids, are we going to follow with... We want to see how you private schools are doing. We want to measure how you're doing so that we're not spending money on ESAs to put kids in poorly Man, performing private right. schools. G- guess what? Guess who's going to hold those schools accountable? The parent. They hold the schools accountable now.
1: Yeah, they hold the schools accountable. I mean, account- why would they hold Wait the schools more accountable they there They hold the otherwise. schools accountable, they might. But if they're in a certain zip code for a certain school, right. that's the school they're required to go to right. in most cases. Some districts, yeah. Well, many districts. They don't have choices. Look at our charter schools. I was in, I was in Laredo earlier this week, and I didn't know the director of IDEA uh, charter schools. They started out with 6,000 kids X number of years ago. They now have almost 30,000 kids. Every kid has come into their school, mm-hmm. two grade levels behind, some more, maybe some a year behind. Every student, according to the director, who st- stood up and spoke at, at the chamber meeting or the business meeting I was speaking to. They have a 100% graduation rate. And 90 some percent of their kids go to college. We close down bad charter schools. Right. We passed a bill. I carried the bill in 2013 to expand charters but close down the bad ones. Would you close down do that. bad private schools? No. You know who closes down bad private schools? Because that's free enterprise. You're going to start going down and close bad fast foods you don't like? I mean, we don't close down private business, Ross. Right. You know who does? The customers. If a private school is not doing the job and the kids aren't doing well, the parents won't go and they'll be out of business. My point is we know that just because you're poor in Texas and in a bad zip code with a bad district doesn't mean you can't graduate from high school and have a great future because we see it in KIPP Academy, we see it in Yes Prep, we see it in IDEA. Why is this going to be an easier sell this time? This has been a very hard rock rock to push up the hill, as you know. Um, Because it's the right thing to do. Because Democrats and Republican voters support it. Do you have the vote? I guarantee you, Senator Rodriguez. He's on board? Yeah, no, I didn't say that. I'm saying I guarantee you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't be. I don't want to put him on the spot. But I guarantee you, if you poll it in his district, probably 60 right. to 70 percent of his parents would like to have a choice because they have some failing schools in El Paso in his area. But we passed the school choice bill last session out of the Senate. First time ever in history with money attached. Mm-hmm. Now, the House didn't give it a vote. My job is to. Right. Do what I think is the best for Texas. This is clearly the best thing for parents and students. The best thing for Texas, and get it out of the Senate. Once it gets to the House, then other people have to help, and and we'll encourage that as well.
0: Let's go to higher ed for a minute, the other place where you spent some money. So the (coughs) set-asides is the idea So far, I haven't spent any money. Well, hold on. The idea here is that some students are paying tuition that subsidizes. All students.
1: Other students. Yeah. Did you all know that? I don't know how many students of you here. Did you all know that? That about so, 15% of your tuition <clears throat> goes to help another student?
0: So if you take away, if you undo that,
1: yeah.
0: where is that money going to
1: come from we're to gonna, support the other students? We're going to find a place in the budget if the senators See, that's, will that's where
0: it. I was saying, where are we spending this money?
1: You, you don't have to always grow the budget, Ross. I didn't say you had to grow yeah. the budget. Just uh, where, where does we'll, the money we'll come find, from? You know, our budget's $100 billion. Right. We'll, we'll find places to find the money because I want to give students in need... Senator Hall, welcome. I didn't see you there. I hope I didn't miss any other senators. We want, to give, we want to give students in need help. There are many students who need help to go through school without question, need financial help. But I don't think it's right to put it on the backs of another student who may – think about this How much, this for how much money over. is set-asides? Uh, set-asides work out to about – there's two set-aside programs. One started in 75, one started in 2002. I wasn't here for either. Um, but the uh, it's about 250 roughly million. Um, so you have to locate. Stuff. I'm yeah. being careful here, right? You have yeah. to locate 250 million dollars. Yes.
0: In order to make. I this think change. it's important. Okay.
1: I think it's important. We don't want to take away the money from the students who need help, but I don't want to tax another student who may be working a part-time job to pay his way. You don't know at who this has point. no say. Look, I saw some people raise their hands. That gentleman back there. Um, you may or may not. I don't want to point you out. But look, if you want to do that. Then volunteer and say, I'm happy to add 15 percent to my bill to help another student um, to go. But you ought to have that choice. We shouldn't tack it on you. Because let me tell you what is really bad about that. If you take about 15 percent and a person's borrowing money, now they're paying interest on a student loan, it's six and a half percent, to help another kid over twenty years, it might cost them, depending on what they're paying, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars. It's the, a lot of money. Is the state when you go to put a broader interest...
0: question about tuition for a minute? Yes. Is, this, is, the state, is that because the state is not paying its no, share? It's, no, it's is big, it because no. education costs too much? No, it's because Are they spending too much
1: at universities? From 2002 until 2014, the cost of education in the state of Texas, on average, the charges to students have gone up 147%. But how much has the state's share and, of that gone up? And your personal income has gone up 32%. And the state has continued to spend more money in real dollars on higher education as a but share, even as a share we, of the total. Ross, it's gone I, down. Can't, I can't keep up. Uh, yeah, you know why it's going down in cost? Because they're up here. So we, even we can't keep up. So are the universities spending too much money? Absolutely. What, what, what do we need six or 700 people working in an administration building on a campus? I know, I wanna, and do you know of that 147 percent increase from 2002 to 2014? That 100, about 100, most of it has gone into administration, about two to one over going into the classroom. It's higher ed is, you know, we have a situation in government we have bid contracts, in higher ed we have many situations no bid contracts. You know, does that, mean, does that mean they're not paying attention to what they're spending? So, you, um, so We to, have. have Professor, you think the state's
0: yeah. basically spending enough?
1: We're, we added. The, last that. session, we, we, we added about $250 million. We increased spending on higher education last session, 9%, Ross, mm-hmm. 9%. And we passed what are called tuition revenue bonds, which are really a, a misnomer. Tuition revenue bonds sounds like we allow a school to, to have a bond to build a building, or whatever they want to do with it, and the tuition will pay for it. No, we pay for it in the state. So for the first time in a decade, we passed tuition revenue bonds, $3 billion worth. So last session, the, the Republicans and the Democrats together in the Senate and House increased higher ed spending about 9%. We passed $3 billion in new bonds. And what happens? Within 60 days, most of the schools are raising tuition. University of Texas, great campus, great school, love it. But they're giving out three and four hundred thousand dollar bonuses to people who are making a million dollars a year? Where in the private sector do you get a three and four hundred thousand dollar bonus? It doesn't exist. Where in the private sector do you make six and seven hundred thousand dollars in an administration job? It doesn't exist. You know, when you become a law enforcement officer, when you become a school teacher and, and an elected official, we all make six hundred bucks a month. I do, Senator Rodriguez does, Senator Hall representatives. There is a price you pay to do that. You want to serve the public in law right. enforcement, right. in education, um, whatever it may be. You don't go in there to get rich. If people want to make $700,000, dollars $900,000 a year in an administrative job, then let them go and find that job in the private sector. And the, and the second thing is what's killing us is, and I know any professors here will you know, hoot and holler over, this is tenure. We're paying professors who are working 20 hours a week, one hundred fifty dollars a year. Hmm. Now, there's some working more, some working less. Where the adjunct professors and the grad assistants are, doing all the teaching, making a lot less. The the higher education system, this is what's happening. They're building buildings while more students are going online. They are increasing cost while while students are increasing debt. They're losing their customer base. And in any private sector, if you're losing customers and you think the way to, to make the books balance is to raise the cost, eventually all your customers go away. You're going to see public universities go out of business, not, not not ours in Texas, but around the country, because the students are going to quit coming. They're taking Why not ours in Texas?
0: I mean, they're doing the same thing everybody else Be, is. Because
1: we're going, to, we're going to do our best to make sure that doesn't happen. And, and, our, and, and the other thing in Texas, right. the University of Texas A&M have this wonderful pile of money, about $12 billion from oil royalties, that nobody else has in the country. And we will take care of our schools, and we are funding them, but we can't, we can't just say... Look, again, I'm all about education. Right. It is the most important thing we do. If we want to stop having a country of have and have-nots, if we want to build up our inner cities, if we want to help our rural areas, you can only do that if people can live the American dream and have a better job, and you can't get a better job if you don't have an education. And you can't have a better education if K-12 through is wrecked in some schools and parents don't have a choice to get out. And you can't live the American dream if people can't afford to go to college. It's really simple, Ross. Is there a public university in Texas... It's doing it right in your measure. I think. Look, there are a lot of things that Texas and A&M. We have 36, 35 public schools. I think they're doing lots of right things, and they're great schools. But, but you just can't turn your back and but say. But you're talking
0: about big stuff. You're talking about they're doing a big thing. Big you're talking about they're doing a big thing right. wrong. The is big there...
1: thing is they have to do the same thing every agency does in Texas. What we do in our budget, again, three or four percent increase on a hundred billion dollar budget right. per year. You have to contain your cost. Right. You can't, we don't have the luxury of spending money on your wants. You have to really focus on the needs, and then you have to prioritize your needs, just like every student does, every adult does, every business owner does. You just can't have everything you want and say, you know what? We'll just raise tuition to get paid for it. And they'll say, well, we have to raise tuition because we don't get as much money from, your, from the state. Well, keep hiring, quit hiring all these employees that aren't actually in the classroom. We had requests... And just in the last year from our universities across the state, to hire 2,000 more people. 2,000 more people. For what? Are they in the classroom? What are they doing? Right. So, look, I, I support Governor Abbott's program to focus on research. Uh, if it's meaningful research, we want the best scientists and doctors um, to come. You know, if it's, if it's a medical research, commercial applied research, military research, those are all... But I don't, and I'm an English major. I don't want to pay an English professor with research dollars and give him a half a semester off to write a book about the love lives of William Shakespeare that no one cares about, no one's going to read. Okay? Let's make, in other words, things have to count. We owe it to you to spend your money wisely. We owe it to you not to waste your money. That's what our responsibility is, and every college has to step up to the bar to do that. And they ought to be investing more online learning and building fewer buildings, because fewer students, look at bookstores around the country. You know? Okay. Kids are learning online.
0: Uh, you talked about, you made a reference to police. Um, yes. And you were, um, you made some remarks after Dallas that were seemed pretty divisive, um, that the protesters to there... To a few people. Well, that the protesters there were being hypocrites. At a moment when everybody was talking about, you know, let's, let's rally around the cops, I think that was pretty universal. Let's rally around the Dallas police. Um,
1: it wasn't universal the night before when they were protesting.
0: Well, but they were not, uh, well... Well, talk me through this. We've got, well, we've got this whole um, issue has come to um, the fore in the last year or so. Uh, sure. Probably, you know, arguably should have come yeah. to the fore before that. This is a big issue in America. You know, you're, we're talking about Tulsa and Charlotte in the newspapers. Baltimore, my hometown. Uh, right. Um, and I guess the question is, um, what's the long-term and medium-term solution from a political standpoint and what are you, what part are you playing in that?
1: What are you doing about it? There are several pieces, great question, several pieces to the question. First of all, what's the long-term solution? Giving people hope by giving them a job, by giving them a quality education, right. by giving them the choice to find the best school for them. But general- and if you, con- Wait right. it, if you continue to deny that basic truth, mm-hmm. you're not gonna change the system. In Baltimore, that neighborhood that burned, When I was a kid, I used to work five blocks from there. That neighborhood hasn't changed since I was a kid. The schools were failures then. They're failures now. So whatever other issues we want to talk about to connect the dots to solve the problem, if people have no hope because they have no future, because they have no education, and we continue to say, no, we're not making any changes. We want to limit the number of kids going to charter schools. We have 150,000 on the wait list now. We don't want to give them... Opportunities for better schools. You're not going to change the long picture short-term picture um, When I went to uh, when I went to Dallas um, It was grand it was grandfather weekend, and I remember I was sitting there with my grandson um, He had already fallen asleep. It was late and we started getting the news reports one police officer killed two police officers killed three police officers killed so um, Governor Abbott was out of the state, so I'm acting governor when he's not there, and it's always a tough decision for an elected official. If you go there, do you look like you're trying to get publicity? If you don't go, do you look like you're ignoring it, no matter who you are and what office? I made a decision someone needed to be there. And so we got a plane together. We got to the hospital at 3 in the morning. And I sat in that, in the hospital, and I saw dead police officers covered up going out on gurneys and their families crying and walking behind them. Right. Uh, I saw police officers in a line saluting down the hospital wall with the hospital employees. Um, We'd never seen anything like this in America, folks. We've had other police officers shot, but usually it was in, the, it was in a crime situation. We've never had police officers targeted because they wore a uniform. And I ended up on Fox a few hours after leaving the hospital. I didn't really have any sleep. No excuses, because I don't take back anything I said, by the way. And I was emotionally spent seeing that death Seeing our, seeing our city and our country in that kind of turmoil. And I said, you know, not, I, I can't remember word for word, but I said something to the fact, isn't it amazing, isn't it ironic that the, the people who were protesting the police, that the police officers, five, were killed, defending the people who were protesting them five minutes before the gunfire. That's an amazing statement about those men and women. In fact, there's the case of... Uh, two young African-American children whose mother had brought them to the protest. She was shot with a ricochet in the ankle. She dove on her children, and police dove on her putting their lives at risk. That one young man now who's 12, who I appeared with on a town hall with the president, um, wants to be a police officer now. So I went on and I said, how hypocritical or what hypocrites? Um, you're out there protesting police one moment when the when the." When the Bullets start flying, you run the other way and expect them to cover you. Now, was that the right choice of words? I could have used a better word without
0: question. Well, I mean, there is a textbook question here, right, for a politician. I mean, is that a time when you say things like that? Is that
1: a. Is that a Ross, I am not. I mean, Ross, it's a leadership a minute, moment, right, right? right? No, what do you mean leadership? Give me a break. You're the, a, you are the, human, you're the acting governor. Ross, I am a human being, right? I have just seen five police officers killed. I understand that. Okay? And I used the wrong word. Okay. Yeah. Condemn me if you want for it. Okay. Well, that's if what that I'm makes asking. you feel better. No, I'm my asking, point. It has I'm... nothing to do. With it. it has nothing to do with leadership. Right. It has something to do with being real. Mm-hmm. And that was my reaction. This kind of a hypocritical moment. Right. Uh, and I. And I look. And I'm not. And, and I also think if the Black Lives Matter hadn't had that march, those five police officers would be alive today. Okay. That's just the fact. Right. And so. But what why, happened? But, so what happened on that? There's an end to the story. So a few weeks later, we get a call from ABC. They're doing a town hall with President Obama, and they want various people to come in and talk about all this violence because there had been a shooting in in Louisiana the week before. And so I was the only elected official in the country they Mm asked. And I think they asked me because I I used that word, and they thought, okay, we're going to get some right-wing guy to come in here and just take on the president. No, I'm a very respectful person of the office of the United States. I don't agree with any of his policies, but I'm respectful of the office. And I got there to the studio like this. We were in a, a round event hall. And he was about an hour late, which is fine. He's the president. And I was sitting next to Cameron Sterling. His father had been killed the week before in Louisiana. 15-year-old boy, really upset. We had a chance to get to know each other. And sitting to my left were t- the two young boys whose mother had jumped on top of them in Dallas, who, one who wanted to be a police officer. And I said to Cameron and to his mom, as we got to, in fact, Cameron was such a nice young man, he said, he was one who said, please don't kill any more police officers. Please don't kill any more people in the streets. He's 15 years old. He's trying to grapple how this happened. And, and in fact, he showed me his cell phone. He said, this is what I want to say to the president. What do you think about this? I said, I, Cameron, because he was nervous. And we'd already been told. He was going to speak first. He'd hand the mic to me. I'd speak second. Right. I said, Cameron, at the end of the interview, when I get a chance to speak with the president, will you stand with me and the two of us together and ask the president, three things and the anti-police rhetoric and the violence in the street and turn the blue lights on at the White House for the police, and he said, yes, sir. I thought that was a pretty striking image, this young, teenage African-American young man who had lost his dad Mm -hmm. and the 60-year-old white Republican conservative from Texas wanting the same thing. And so I had my time with the president, and Cameron stood with me, and the president didn't know what to say. And ABC cut that out of the tape. It was a town hall to bring us together. In the most unifying moment, ABC cut the tape and never showed it. And we had the transcript because we did get it from a Freedom of Information request from the White House. So it happened. And so um, we have a situation in this country where we have to stop this anti police rhetoric and we have to solve the problems in the communities because obviously there are problems.
0: But we also have a situation in this country that we haven't talked about that is, if I'm a minority and I'm dr- doing my business and I'm driving around in a city, I'm going to be treated differently and sometimes dangerously differently than a white person in the same situation. It's well, dangerous to get stopped by a cop if you're yeah. black or Hispanic. The
1: data actually doesn't back that up, Ross. You should know that. By the way, do you believe... Well, how fer- many police shootings have we had that were... We have, we've had 852 police shootings this year, and 250 or 218 were um, uh, black individuals, right. about 25%. It's a little higher in the population. Right. The, uh, but that is also tied in, and I'm giving you rough numbers. In right. you know, political fact, we'll say he's off by three people. Um, I don't carry notes when I speak. I try to know what I'm talking about. Uh, do you believe in hands up, don't shoot? Do you think that happened in Ferguson? Um, I'm not sure what happened in Ferguson. Wait, wait a minute. What do you mean you're not sure what happened? Because you're part of the media then that's, ex- that's, that's, that's um, expanding this myth out there that may have no. some people riled up. Do you do you no, believe, think, do, no, you wait, believe well, do you believe, do you believe that do you believe that young man went yeah. like this and the police officer shot him? It's a yes or no? I'm not sure. Did you not read the Justice Department? I report? mean there were
0: there were two or three different conflicting reports. Wait, wait, yeah.
1: wait a minute, wait a minute. Conflicting reports. The Obama Justice Department, right. Ross, went into Ferguson. The Obama Justice Department. And they found it a proper shooting. They had eyewitnesses. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They had eyewitnesses. African American eyewitnesses and their own investigation that said that young man was coming to get that police officer's gun. So when I have mainstream media who I respect and like a lot, not sure that's part of the problem. Mainstream media is part of the problem because almost every one of these officer shootings. I think the media has a big part of this in almost every one of these shootings. So we don't know. Look, we don't know about Charlotte yet. The facts will come out. We just had a case in Tulsa. The facts have come out, and that officer has been charged with manslaughter.
0: Right.
1: Okay, but in almost all of these shootings, at the state they have level, been, they have been appropriate, proper shootings.
0: Come, come back home for a second. Okay, at the state level. At by the a way,
1: level, there was no hands up, don't shoot. At the
0: state level, as a lieutenant governor, is there yeah. something you can do in state law, state policy, DPS, whatever it is, to ensure that everybody is dealt with the same way by
1: state and local police in Texas? I believe. And take away what those protesters were protesting yeah. in the first place. You want a police officer, and look, these are high stakes because lives are on the line. I understand. The, the person they pulled over and the police officer. You want that police officer to be absolutely 100% perfect all the time. We all wish that were the case, but right. they're human beings. Right. They do make mistakes, and we hope to lessen those mistakes. We saw a situation in the, in the Sandra Bland case um, where that officer was relieved of his duty because he didn't properly handle that stop. He had nothing to do with her death, but he didn't handle that stop correctly. And in that case, um, Governor Abbott was was away. I was acting governor. I went to Waller County. I was the only, I think myself and Senator Colcourse may have been the only two Anglos in the black church. We went there. There were no riots. There were no problems in Waller. The black community came together. uh, And I think in my role as acting governor, and then as lieutenant governor when the governor returned, we handled that properly, Um, an investigation was made, a police officer, I mean, that's how it's supposed to go. When there's a shooting or an incident, you don't run to the streets and start looting and start setting fires. You have to let, peaceful protests, not only are are allowed in our Constitution, are needed. Like what was going on in Dallas. Like what was going on in Dallas the day before. They had a right to do that. Right. But, But it is fair to say that while they were shouting, Black Lives Matter, uh, had they not been there, there are, there are consequences. Is it fair it to set say, up an opportunity is, for that person to kill five police officers. Is it fair to say they had a thing to protest? Pardon? Is it fair to say they had something to protest? Every person, if they believe in something and they want to protest, they have a right. But there's a
0: responsibility with it. I understand that. But do you think that there's a problem here that they were trying to address? Do you think that there is a problem with the way we police right now and the way minorities feel about the way we police right now. Do they have a point? Obviously,
1: they believe.
0: Do do you agree with them? That's what I'm asking.
1: I'm not going to agree with 100% of what everyone says because I don't know what every one of the protesters is protesting about. But there's obviously a problem. There's a disconnect between the, the minority community and some police. And by the way, look in Baltimore, by the way. And that's the other thing I asked the president. Don't rush to judgment, Mr. President. They did leave that in the tape. In Baltimore... The district attorney in Baltimore prosecuted those six officers before she took them to trial and an African-American judge found there was no evidence. Those officers were innocent. Mm-hmm. Did the officers get the benefit of the doubt, by the way, Ross? Do they get the benefit of the doubt or are they guilty? Because let me tell you what, folks, we have 80,000 police officers in Texas who put their lives on the line every day now to protect you and as we saw in Dallas, they'll protect you even if you're not with them. You're not going to find people taking this job anymore.
0: I think you Dallas had there, some a two- pretty good
1: sign-ups after David Brown said, come on down here and apply. Some people came applied, and many of the people, you know, let's just say some people applied. Right. You know, it was a good story, but I'm not so sure how accurate the story was. But you're not going to have people to do that job. And let me tell you what, all of you who break down at night or have a problem if you're walking across the campus and you feel threatened, what's the first thing you do? Dial 911. Don't put us in a position in this country, Ross, where there's no one to answer the 911 call. Right. Because I'm surprised as many are willing to do it They do it because their wives or their husbands, we have a lot of women officers, are going to say, wait a minute, I want you to be home for my kids tonight. So are there problems? Yes. But the way to solve the problem is not to convict the police before the facts are in. The way to solve the problem is not to loot and burn and disrupt. You can protest differently. Is there something – I'm okay.
0: belaboring this, but right. is there something the police can do to alleviate some of these problems so that – Of course. This, you can always have more training. You can always do better things. Royce West –
1: But I, what are you pushing in that, dire, in, in that direction? Actually, great question. Uh, I've John Whitmire, who's the chairman of criminal justice, a dem, one of our Democrat chairs, uh, who knows more about the prison system and criminal justice, he's been doing it a long time. So he was the qualified person to do it. I left him right. in that position. Uh, I've given him – we have interim charges. I gave him interim charges to have hearings on this very thing, and that hearing is coming up in the very near future. He schedules right. – the chairman schedule as they wish. I talked to Senator Royce West the other day, uh, who has an interesting idea. I need to learn more details about it, but an interesting idea. He thinks we ought to change the driver's test and, in education, put it in our tex, ten, uh, Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills, that how do we as citizens, not black citizens or white citizens or brown citizens, but all citizens – how do we react when we're pulled over in a stop? Mm-hmm. What are we teaching kids? What are we teaching young adults about how to respond to a police officer when you're pulled over? Some of us are told early on. Right. Some of us obviously are not. Some of us make that situation for that police officer very tense. Right. Very tense. And so, I, you know, I don't, again, I haven't seen Senators Westville. But there's a very good idea. Maybe we ought to help educate people. If we're going to train officers, which we need to do, mm-hmm. and, 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 and wherever areas were deficient, do better, but maybe the people ought to know what's expected of them when they're pulled over as well. I think most of you in this room know. Most of you in this room know. Let's talk but not about, everyone obviously does.
0: Let's talk about um, the border for a second. Yes. Um, the legislature was in a, an unusual position in... Um, 2015, where they had a lot of money. Yes. And they had, a, that is they had a present tense problem. The thing at the top of everybody's list, you know, Republicans and Democrats list of most important problems was immigration, border security. Right. Uh, the legislature had the means and the desire to spend a bunch of money on that. Yes. Uh, $800 million. Yes. What are you going to do next time? And what, how are you measuring what we're getting back? What,
1: but for that 800 million billion. Great question. Yeah. Um, great question. Uh, when I campaigned for Lieutenant Governor, I campaigned on increasing our budget to $800 million. Uh, we passed a budget for $800 million. Um, the House had a bill, bill about for $500 million. We work together as we do. Sometimes they have a different view of things, and, and, and they get their numbers. Sometimes we have a different view. We get our numbers. But we spent $800 million, increased it from about 250. dollars million. We've added uh, 761 full-time permanent DPS troopers on the border. Uh, we've added 30 Cortina units, which are a joint task force between Border Patrol and state troopers. Crime in McAllen, Texas, one of the biggest cities on the border. I met with the, I met with the police chief, I went down there with Senator Rodriguez, uh, because originally there was some pushback when Perry sent the guard down originally and we kept the guard Senator there. Senator Hinojosa. Uh, so, uh, Senator Hinojosa, what did I? I'm sorry. Yeah. Senator Hinojosa. And so I walked into a room about four months ago uh, with police chiefs from the valley, sheriffs from the valley, elected officials from the valley, not knowing what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. Guess what they said? Crime has never been lower in the valley. Keep the money coming. The McAllen police chief said at it its highest peak, there were about 2,000 cars stolen a year, probably less than 200 this year. It's working. And, you know, we had to work through it. And and one, we, of the reasons, one of the reasons we increased the budget, we increased the time that our troopers work from an 8-hour day to a 10-hour day to give us more effective officers, but we've added yeah. officers adding yeah. a Texas Ranger unit. Um, so it's made the valley probably as safe as it's ever been. And the local elected officials who are all Democrats said, Governor, keep it coming. What's the rolling cost? What's it going to cost this time? I don't know. know, Is it another $800 million? It's not going to be another $800 million. I don't know what – look, I'm going to make DPS have to um, justify everything they want, just like I want the University of Texas and every other college to justify what they want. Uh, But uh, Colonel McCraw, Director McCraw, has done a fabulous job – and, uh, and it's been effective. Now, let me tell you why it's important. Just in the last 60 days, you know, we've added, we now have 4,270 cameras on the border. Five years ago, we had a couple of hundred. I've been down on the border many times. Those cameras pick you up as you're walking along everywhere. We now see what trail you go to. I mean, we're really doing a better job. If we had a federal government that would put in the same effort to secure the border like we are in Texas, we could solve most of the problem. But we've apprehended on these cameras 15,000 people crossing the border in the last 60 days. We've apprehended $55 million in drugs in the last 60 days. We've we've, 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 uh, confiscated $5 million in cash in the last 60 days. Extrapolate that over the last couple of years, it's significant. Now, most people, look, I I said this during the campaign, Mm -hmm. Governor Abbott and I got nearly 50% of the Hispanic vote on a strong border security message. That's the highest number of Hispanic voters supporting a Republican candidate in the country, in the history of the country and why. First of all, it was our pro-life message, our school choice message, our jobs message, um, smaller government, lower tax message. But everyone wants a secure border. They want law and order. We need Washington, and I blame this on both parties. Bush had a chance when he had an all-Republican Congress to fix legal immigration. He didn't. Obama had a chance when he had all Democrats to fix it. He didn't, which would lead you to believe that neither party really wants to do it. But people should come to America in dignity. It would be better for them to pay the government a couple of thousand dollars for the processing to come here than to pay the drug cartels 10000 It would be better to come here and not live in the shadows than to die. in the. We pick up, you know, 100 bodies or so every year of people who are left to die in the desert. People suffocate in the back of 18 Wheeler. Many women are raped or sexually assaulted as part of the, of the drug cartels' cost to come here. As a Christian nation, that's not a border policy. So we need real legal immigration um, reform in Washington. And once we have it, people will stop coming here illegally, except the criminals. Most people that come here are coming here for the American dream. But we have a lot of hardened criminals coming here. From 2008 to 2012, we arrested 147,000 people in Texas. We charged them with 447,000 crimes. They were all here illegally. These are thugs. These are criminals. These are gang members. We estimate we could have 70,000, 80,000 gang members, MS-13, in this state who have come here illegally. Your lives are at risk. My number one job as lieutenant governor, Greg Abbott's number one job as governor, every elected official, Jose Rodriguez, Bob Hall, is to protect your safety and your property, first and foremost. And so we have to have a secure border. I haven't even touched on terrorism, potential terrorists that are coming here. So we have to do it. Okay, uh, we're going
0: to take a few questions. There's a mic over here and a mic over there. Let me ask one while uh, folks are lining up. We've got just a few minutes for those. A quick question on local control. This is a developing and looks like a long-term fight tension between the state sure. and, and the local communities. There are a couple of prominent issues where the state hasn't been able to get a state law and has talked about having, right. getting rid of the patchwork of laws. A smoking ban is one. You know We've got smoking bans in a number of cities. We don't right. have a state smoking ban. Texting while driving is another. Right. You cross a city line and you have to put your phone down or pick your phone up or whatever. But in Denton, when in, um, the environmentalists in Denton got a thing on the ballot to fight fracking, um, it was... Um, the legislature decided after some debate and a lot of negotiation right. to say we're going to have a statewide policy on that. Um, you can, in fact, uh, frack safely inside of cities The piece, right. right? The second one was um, is this fight over Uber now right. in Austin, ride-hailing and other services. In both cases, you're overruling, in effect, local elections. Um, is there like an overall idea here? Well, I th- Look, we have, when, when does the state yeah, need to do that, and when does the state a, need to just say, well, you know, that's El Paso, that's Austin? Well, that's,
1: it's, it's a hard call. Uh, we have, I think, about 400 cities. Remember, the state legislature, at some point in the past, created all our cities, created all our counties. <laughs> and so we do have a responsibility. I'm a big local control guy. I think we ought to leave our cities and our voters to choose, to make those decisions. But occasionally, cities will pass uh, an ordinance or a law <coughs> that has a statewide impact. And, and when it has a statewide impact... That has enough people to respond to it, like in the fracking case in Denton. You know, l- folks, remember, oil and gas is still the heart of our economy. We're very diversified. Obviously, uh, there were enough legislators mm-hmm. who felt it was time to overrule that. So it really right. comes down to, <coughs> excuse me, local control. Um, but if it's going to have a state impact, then we have to look at that. And uh, texting is one of those issues that people are looking at. And sometimes it takes time to evolve, but. It's, it's just the will of the legislators. Because remember, all those people who vote for their mayors and county judges and all the school board members, they also vote for us. So we do have a responsibility, the same as local legislator And so okay. uh, I think we should try to stay out of local issues as much as we can, but sometimes we have to step in. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, sir. Uh, my name is Steve Perkins from Dallas. Hi, and I wanted to ask a question about... The person I think you're supporting as the presidential candidate. Yes, Donald um, Trump. Donald Trump, yeah. Um, I have an LLC, so this means that my income is passed through to me and is taxed at my personal rate. Correct. In his recent tax plan, (laughs) he says that might be taxed at 15%. In other places, he says this might be taxed just at my own personal rate. I wonder if you could explain to us which will happen. Yeah. I am his Texas chair, and I've been working. Um, you may have noticed his education policy reflects some of the things we believe here in Texas. We've been working on the education policy as well with their team. Um, hi, Don Buckingham, uh, our incoming senator. Did not Did I miss anyone else here in the Senate? Don't want to miss my senators. Uh, I, you know, I don't know the answer of why he may. You know, I don't know if he misspoke or if the plan changed, but here is the truth. Our, our business taxes are too high. Our income taxes are too high, and when he becomes president— uh, he will have to work with, with Congress to come up with that final number, uh, so that will be uh, a number that will be, you know, negotiated within Congress, but, but uh, it needs to be reduced. Over here. Thank you for coming, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh,
0: thank you for being here. Yes, My name is
1: Luis. I uh, live here in Austin.
0: My question is about school finance because Speaker Strauss in the House has made it a priority yes. to address that. Um, and leaving school choice aside because um, average daily attendance in WADA and empty seats do have an impact on the amount of money a public school will get. Um, My question is, how do you plan in the Senate to address fixing a quote-unquote Byzantine system?
1: Sure. Uh, I've been on education as long as I've been in the Senate. Uh, I was on it for eight years. I was vice chair two sessions, chair one session. If you haven't noticed, I'm really passionate about it. I want us to have the best school system we have, but we have to be reasonable. The taxpayers can only afford so much, so everything has to be... um, efficient, and we need to spend money where we need to target it, and, and by the way, school choice, it's all a part of that. And when I, by the way, when I talk about school choice and charters, it's still going to be a small percentage of our students. 90% plus are going to be in our public schools, so our public schools have to be really good. Uh, I look forward to seeing what the speaker uh, has to offer. Look, he has some ideas. I have some ideas. Uh, I'm open to hearing what he has to suggest. Uh, I hope he's open to hearing what I have to suggest about school choice and other issues, uh, because I think any rewrite of the, of the school finance plan. First of all, we may need a year-long special session to do that. I've been on a number of blue-ribbon committees that try to adjust, address WADA, weighted average daily attendance, and all of our, and our, and our different weights that you know you get more for this or more for that depending on the student. It's very hard. And if any of us in this room were designing it today, we wouldn't design it as is. But it could take a long time just to do that. I would be willing, uh, I'm willing, if the governor ever wanted to call us in, to to spend nothing but months trying to work on that. It will be hard to do it in a session, but I'm willing to hear what the, the speaker has to say. Um, you know, I'm very cognizant of it takes both houses to pass a bill, and last session we passed a lot of good legislation through both houses. It got to the governor's desk, um, and he'll lead on some things. I'll lead on some things, and I'm, I'm wide open to suggestions. Over here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for maybe, maybe one or two more. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Thank
0: you. Hi, my name is Ann Graham. I live here in Austin. Thank you for speaking today. Yes, ma'am. A a question tied to a comment. I I take issue with your, this is regarding higher education. Could we we just do the question and not the comment? The question question has to do with um, do you believe at the next session we may be reevaluating the higher ed investment in um, sort of the big and famous in terms of research rather than investing in basic research? My concern is the statistic that you quoted about paying professors one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year who are only working twenty hours a week. I'm married to a professor who's working right now, writing an exam on this campus, and I challenge that. So I'm asking. Well,
1: it's uh, and 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 I think I also said there are some that work more and some that work less. Um, I I believe that we have to be strong in research, uh, but it has to be research that's actually going to have an application that's going to improve the lives of Texans and Americans and not just something a professor may want to do. So I kind of support the governor's direction on that. I think he had a very good plan last session as we move some money uh, into more research. So I I support that. But we can't can't be paying administrators six and seven hundred thousand dollars a year uh, for jobs that someone would take for two or three um, and still be well paid. Uh, We can't pay professors uh, a lot of money if they're not. Now, And again, I exclude some of the research professors are going to have less time in the classroom. You know, our best and brightest research people. But we have too many people that aren't doing enough, quite frankly. Um, And look, here's the bottom line. If he wants to have students to teach for his career, if we don't lower the cost, there are going to be less students to teach, which means there'll be less professors. So uh, uh, look, I'm very supportive. Again, last session, we increased funding for higher ed 9%. We passed $3 billion in tuition revenue bonds. Higher education has never had such a great session. Most of them said it's the best session they've ever had. With this lieutenant governor and conservative Senate and conservative House. We did, we went over and above, and they still raised to wish it and all these salaries. We just, you know, you just can't, you have to run higher education better than it's being run. I'm Thank pra- you.
0: I'm afraid pray, pray I've got to call time on all the questions. Um, we're out of our hour. I really this is, appreciate this is fast. One more, one more, Ross? Oh, come on. Okay, she but, says one more. It's always okay. the one more. If it's, that it gets if it's fast. Hey, yeah. hey, Governor Dennis Burrell with the coalition hey at Texans with Disabilities. Hey, yes. The biggest threat to the independent living for people with disabilities, group we both care about, is it is an inadequate workforce direct services. Is this next session
1: one where we can look at at least addressing a meaningful wage increase for those lowest paying jobs? Well, as you know, um, uh, I have raised personally. For my business over $15 million for children with disabilities in the last 10 years, uh, last, uh, since 1988, not last 10 years, last 30 years. I forget how long I've been involved in the children with disabilities with being ANGEL. My, uh, my focus has been on children and adults with disabilities my whole life. Um, I passed the bill, or we passed it finally, cameras in the classroom to protect our students, uh, and I understand the, the compensation for those workers is crucial because we need dedicated people to do that. I, I, I hear you clearly. I'm always supportive of doing everything we can to, to, to help people with disabilities and children with disabilities, and I've done it personally, uh, as well as professionally and politically. Thank you. Oh, look forward okay. to That's a wrap. Can you give a hand Thank to
0: you. Dan Patrick, the Lieutenant Governor of <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you all. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you sir. so much. You